Good morning. <laughs> so these last few weeks, we've been working through the Gospel of Matthew, and we've been watching how Matthew wants to make sure that we understand and that we keep seeing that Jesus is God's great King who has brought God's great kingdom. And we've been talking about this. If you remember a few weeks ago, we watched, uh, we had this question, if Jesus is God's great King, what sort of King is He? It's a fair question. And we watched as Jesus went out into the desert and after fasting for 40 days, he went through the temptations. Satan came and tried to, to try and lure him away from the mission that God had put him on. And we watched as Jesus faithfully, humbly, and sacrificially stayed true to what God had given him to do. We see in, this, in the temptations, we see just what sort of king Jesus is. This good king. This humble king. This king who would give up himself for the sake of his kingdom. Well, then two weeks ago, we talked some, we asked the question, okay, so we know that Jesus is God's king, and we see what sort of king he is when he's out in the desert being tempted. A good question that we asked then was, okay, what sort of kingdom are we talking about? And we watched as Jesus went throughout preaching the good news, uh, the, the kingdom of God had come, repent and believe. And then he went and gathered disciples, and then he went around healing people. And we see that this kingdom of God includes wholeness of people then a major mark of God's kingdom is wholeness, is being people, is being people made whole or being healed. He watched as he healed all sorts of diseases. People were coming from all over the place to be healed by Jesus. And so we see this kingdom. We see what our king looks like, and we see what his kingdom looks like. And so I was asking last, or two weeks ago, I was asking some of you, or encouraging some of you to do your one thing this week, to go out and bring healing to someone. Not to put you on the spot, but how many of you tried that out that week? A couple people did. Come on, guys, this is good stuff. You guys got to go out and, and bring healing to people. Try these things out. But it was, inter- it was encouraging for me as I listened to uh, reports coming back, people talking with me or even sending me an email, letting me know how they had gone and brought healing to someone. Um, some of it was, you know, like physical healing, like people were made well, but some of it was people just spending time with someone. Spending time with someone who seemed like they were alone in the ways that brought healing to them, brought healing to their heart. But I think about these things, and, and I think about some of the ways that, like, I was trying to go and to bring healing to people. And, and I started thinking, you know, like this, it seems sometimes, I don't know if you think like this to you, but it seems small sometimes. You know, to go and, and spend time with someone who's in hospital, who hardly has any visitors, in the ways that brings healing to them, like, sometimes it feels really small. In terms of, the God's, in terms of God's kingdom and how broken this world is and the work that, that needs to be done, sometimes it feels really small. It's not small, but it can feel that way. And maybe we're tempted to listen to the lies that we hear, that, you know, maybe it's someone else, or maybe it's even Satan, someone lying to you saying, you know, why do you even waste your time? I mean, what good are you really doing? Does anybody have that, or anybody ever had that sort of question? Or as you look at the last week, as you maybe look back over the last week and you see, you know, the things that you were trying to do, like in response to to God and to cultivate His kingdom in our community, and you look back and you see, like, yeah, there's this thing and that conversation and and that time that I served my neighbor, and you start thinking, man, if this is all there is, we're in a world of hurt. Does anybody think like that ever? Am I the only one? 
Yeah, there a few. Well, I want to encourage us this morning. I want to encourage us because these things, though they seem small, at least in human terms, these things are kingdom work. Even something as simple as just blessing a neighbor by telling a neighbor or a friend or someone that you know um, how you see God's gift in them. Or you see how gifted they are maybe in, in the work that they do or the job that they've done. That is kingdom work. I know it's small and maybe it seems insignificant in human terms, but this is kingdom work. These things compound. And it makes me think of this saying that Jesus had. He would go around and he would tell people that the reign of God is like a mustard seed that a man planted into a field. Because a mustard seed is the smallest of seed and yet it grows to be the largest of garden plants. It becomes a tree. The birds of the air can come and, and perch on its branches. This tiny little seed grows into this great tree. And I say this to encourage you that as we are doing kingdom work, as we are out in our communities cultivating God's kingdom, and sometimes it can seem small, the size of the seed makes no difference to God who grows the tree. Listen to that again. The size of the seed makes no difference to our Father in heaven who grows the tree. I'm saying this as we set up to start talking about one of the most powerful things that we can do to cultivate God's kingdom. And that is pray the Lord's Prayer. In our lives, I, mean, I know as Christians you are followers of Jesus and I know that you pray, but sometimes we can feel like prayer is this tiny little thing, you know, but it's not. It's one of the greatest, it's one of the most powerful things that we can do to cultivate God's kingdom in our community, in our lives, and in the world around us. So do this with me. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Or if you've got this white sheet in your bulletin, let's take a look at this together as we look at Jesus teaching us how to pray. Just to give you a little background, Jesus is... He says this word, or he teaches us how to pray in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus is preaching uh, to his people, explaining to them or talking to them about the kingdom of God. And at first he says, don't pray like the Pharisees around you. Some of those guys who pray just for show. And they pray in, in very obvious ways to gather attention from people, not from God. He said, don't pray like them. They said, don't pray like the pagan people either, who, who think that if they keep chanting the same word over and over and over, that somehow God... They'll somehow twist God's arm and he'll finally do what they want. Don't pray like them either. He says, when you pray, pray like this. He says, this is then how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive, those, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. Now, we hear that prayer, and I don't know if any of you were timing it, but it took maybe 20 seconds, if that. And yet, this is one of the most powerful things that we can do to cultivate God's kingdom. If we want to see more of God's kingdom in our lives, if we want to see more of God's kingdom in our community and in the world around us, one of the most powerful things we can do is pray this prayer. 
pray this prayer. I mean, think about the words that we're saying. Maybe that's the problem, is that we've heard this prayer so many times that we stop hearing it. Or maybe we've spoken these words so many times that we stop praying and then we end up more just reciting it. I mean, think about the words that we're saying. We're calling God, the creator of all things, we're calling him our Father in heaven. Like that in and of itself is an amazing realization that we have a Father in heaven. We are part of God's people. Or think about the reality that we pray that God's kingdom come. God, bring your kingdom. I mean, think about what we're talking about here. This morning, we're going to be just talking about just the, the top part of it, uh, just the, the first part of the, of the Lord's Prayer. But I'm actually going to be talking, or I'm going to be saying it back to you, kind of more how it's written in Greek, because we've heard it so many times in English that maybe we stop hearing it. I'm not going to say it, say it in Greek. I'm going to say it in English. But sort of how it's organized. See, in, in Greek, the, the Our Father in Heaven and on Earth, or sorry, and on Earth as it is in Heaven, these are sort of like bookends that kind of go with each phrase in between. I know we pray it all like one long sentence. But in Greek, the way it's organized, it's more like this. It's more like, our Father in heaven, let it be glorified. Your name on earth as it is in heaven. Our Father in heaven, let it come. Your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Our Father in heaven, let it be done. Your will. On earth, as, on earth as it is in heaven. Let's take the first one. Our Father in heaven, let it be glorified, your name, on earth as it is in heaven. Tracy, I, this is great. She asked the kids, what does it mean to glorify? Kids have some great... I'm curious to hear from you. What does it mean to, to glorify God or for God to be glorified? Pray. Celebrate? Praise? Yeah. Honor. Honor. Loving one another, the way that we act glorifies God. Yeah. Hold up. up. Right. To fear. Interesting. Yeah. Obey. Obey. Right. See, when, when Jesus is saying glorify God, I think he's including all of these things. But he's saying... Let, it be, let God's name be glorified. And I hear him saying, among all of creation, every person, fulfilling what Isaiah said about God, that every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that the Lord is God. Paul talks about Jesus in the same way in Philippians, that every, tongue would, or every knee would bow, every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's what he's talking about in this idea of, of all of creation glorifying God. But it's interesting, and I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I'm wondering, I think as we pray this, that some of us are, are sort of thinking, we say, uh, hallowed be thy name. Just the way we say that, I mean, first of all, hallowed, I mean, we don't really use our hallowed, we don't use that word so much anymore, but let it be glorified your name, Lord. But I think sometimes we forget that we are praying this prayer to God. Almost like we say, God, we hope your name is glorified among the people around us. But actually, when Jesus teaches us to pray, he's saying, pray this to God. Ask God 
ask our Father in Heaven to glorify His name. It's subtle, and, and, but it's important that we are saying, not just that we hope that people get it, but we're saying, Father in Heaven, show Yourself to the world around us. We're saying, Father in Heaven, make Your name great among the world around us, around the people who are, who are wondering about You or maybe don't even care about You. God, show Yourself to the world that the whole world will praise you. See, we're asking God to do this. When we pray this prayer, we're asking God to make his name great. We're asking our Father in heaven to do this. You with me? It fits with the whole prayer on each phrase. We're asking God to bring his kingdom. We're asking God to do his will. Not praying just that we hope that it happens, but that we're saying, Father in heaven, please do this. So that's the first one. Let it be glorified, your name, on earth as it is in heaven. The next phrase is this, is Father in heaven, let it come. Let it come, your kingdom, on earth as it is in heaven. Now I just want to say this one thing, when, when, in the Greek when it says let it come, Jesus is teaching us in, in his Jewish way that he's saying, We're not commanding God to do this. We would never command God. But we are asking God. We're asking our Father in heaven, bring your kingdom. I think in modern day English you might say something like this. Father in heaven, please bring your kingdom. Please bring your kingdom. Now I don't know about you, but sometimes people wonder about you know, is, is he saying bring more of your kingdom now, bit by bit? Or is he saying bring your kingdom ultimately? Jesus, return with your kingdom. I think Jesus said it this way on purpose, meaning both. That we pray this prayer, that we desire to see more of God's kingdom now. We desire to see more of God's kingdom in our community. We desire to see more of God's kingdom in, in the world around us. And by kingdom, we mean this. We desire to see more people reconciled. First and foremost, reconciled with our Father in Heaven, reconciled with our Lord. We desire to see more people in a relationship with God. Let your kingdom come. We desire to see more people reconciled in their relationships with each other. In marriages, in families, between enemies, we desire to see reconciliation. Reconciliation is part of God's kingdom. But also we desire to see justice. I was thinking about it as we were watching the, the video about the, the mission and ministry of the covenant. Gary Walter starts talking about children are being fed, the thirsty are given water, women and children are giving micro-enterprises to go and to make money to support their families. God's kingdom is growing. We desire to see justice brought to the places where people are treated unjustly. We desire to see justice brought to this world where people are cast out because of disabilities or because they don't fit in. In places where women and children are turned into slaves to be sold for sex. That is unjust. We desire to see more of God's justice in this world. Let your kingdom come. But God's kingdom is also marked by beauty. We desire to see more of God's beauty on this world. And it feels greedy for me to say this. I mean, look at the place where we live. We live in this amazing place. I mean, I don't, there's hardly anybody who comes to visit here and says, wow, you live in the greatest place in the world. 
But we still desire to see more of God's beauty here. To see more of God's beauty in families being reconciled to each other. To see more of God's beauty in art and creativity in our community. To see more of God's beauty in people who are abused, who are struggling with addiction, people who are alone. To see them being made whole. We desire to see more of God's beauty here. Beauty is a part of God's kingdom. And we desire to see wholeness. We've been talking about this for a few weeks now, about wholeness as a part of God's kingdom. Healing. Healing people's hearts, their minds, their souls, their strength, their whole body. We desire to see people healed. We desire to see people in our community who've, who've been victims of abuse. We desire to see them healed. We desire to see people who have bodies that, that don't work right anymore. We desire to see them healed. We desire to see wholeness come as a mark of God's kingdom. We want to see more of God's kingdom in our lives and in the world around us right now. But at the same time, we want to see God's kingdom come fully. So we pray, Lord Jesus, bring your kingdom. We say, come, Lord Jesus, come. We're living this world now, we're cultivating his kingdom now, but we desire to see Jesus come. The Lord's prayer is an end times prayer. We pray, we want to see more of your kingdom now, but ultimately, Jesus, we want to see you bring it. We want to see you bring your kingdom here. Because we realize that as much as God calls us to be a part of cultivating his kingdom, ultimately, we will never do it on our own. Ultimately, we need God to come and bring it. We need God to bring his kingdom. That doesn't diminish what we do. I believe that God has called us to do important things. But ultimately, we rely on Christ to bring his kingdom. That's why I'm always careful to say cultivate his kingdom. Like plowing soil and planting seed. But it's God who brings the growth. It's God who brings his kingdom. Sometimes people say that we're going to advance God's kingdom. Or we're going to grow God's kingdom. I believe that we don't. I believe we have an important part to play. But ultimately, it's God who brings his kingdom. That's why prayer is so important. But that's not to say that we pray, God, bring your kingdom, and then we sit back on the couch and wait for it to happen. No, we pray, Lord, bring your kingdom, and then we get involved in cultivating it until he comes. That we look forward to the future while we faithfully follow Jesus. We keep looking forward to his return and we live in expectation of his coming. We live in a way so that if he shows up today or 20 years from now, that we are ready, that we've been found faithful in what God has called us to do. That we're faithfully following him. Lord, let it come, your kingdom, on earth just as it is in heaven. And then we pray, God, Father in heaven, let it be done, your will, on earth as it is in heaven. Now I think oftentimes we pray this, we say, we say, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And sometimes we, I think a lot of times people say that more like, God, let it be done your will in my life. Lord, do your will in my life as it is in heaven. And there's faithfulness in that, and that's fine. Keep praying that. God, I want you to keep praying for God's will in your life. But when Jesus prayed this, when we hear it like this, when we hear it as, Father in heaven, 
Let it be done, your will, on earth as it is in heaven. We begin to see that this is praying for God's will throughout creation. All of creation following God's will. Imagine what this begins to look like. People faithfully following Jesus. Experiencing this life more full that he talks about. Or people loving God. Loving God with all of their heart, mind, soul, and strength. And loving, each, and loving others as themselves. Or people, as we were saying just a moment ago, loving mercy, doing justice, and walking humbly with our God. Begin to think of what this looks like. I was actually, is when, this morning when uh, we began the announcements and, and Basil was talking about Catalyst, I noticed that he framed everything around the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. That's what this church is. That's as a church what we're organized around. It's on the front of our bulletin every week. Love God. Love others and transform lives. Be a part of God's great commandment and a part of his great commission. Loving the Lord with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength and loving others as ourselves. And then go out into the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that Jesus has commanded us. And he will be with us truly even to the end of the age. We see these as a glimpse of the kingdom, of what God's will looks like on earth as it is in heaven. But I was thinking this week about what God's will looks like in heaven. And I was thinking of the vision that John saw, what Jesus had revealed to him when John saw thousands upon thousands of angels, 10,000 upon 10,000 gathered around the throne. And they were singing in loud voices, praise to the Lamb who was slain. Be, be power and wealth and wisdom and strength and glory and honor and praise. And that every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and everything that's in them gathered around God's throne and the Lamb who is beside Him being praised and honor and glory forever and ever. This is what God's will looks like in heaven and we desire to see that on earth all of creation, gathered around God's throne and praising Him. I hope this morning that you're hearing God's prayer a little bit differently. You're seeing what it is that we're praying. How important it is for us to pray this. That we desire to see God's name be glorified in the world around us. We desire to see God's kingdom come, both now and ultimately we we desire to see Christ bring it but also that we desire to see God's will be done. That we're seeing that as we pray this, even the size of the seed makes no difference to the God who grows it. I say this because prayer is so important for us. It's so important for our lives. You see, when we pray, we are engaging God. We are encouraging God. We are being shaped as people and we are blessing others. I say this to encourage you because I think we've become, we, can be, we can begin to take prayer for granted. We know we're supposed to be praying all the time in this connection with God. We know this. And yet still, we can take prayer for granted. We should be praying for situations in our lives where we need God's help. And we come to that place where we say, all we can do is pray now. Sometimes people will get there faithfully and they mean that sincerely. But sometimes I hear people say that 
And what they mean is basically, like, I've done all I can. All I can do now is hope. They talk about prayer more like it's a last resort rather than a first response. And it breaks my heart. That's not God's desire for us. God desires prayer to be our first response, not our last resort. Things will be different. Things will be better if we consistently make God the first response. The situations where we ask God for his help, we pray for God's blessing or for his care or for his guidance, God will bless that consistently if we do that first rather than at the very end when we've tried everything else. So we ask God to be involved. We encourage God. I say that on purpose because God is already involved. Jesus talked about my Father has been at work. My Father is always at work. So it's not like we pray and that God somehow sort of gets off his heavenly couch and does something. Not at all. God has been at work from the beginning. And so we encourage him. God, continue doing what you're already doing. Do more of it. And we also encourage God in the sense of his nature, of who he is. God is God. He is a Father in heaven who desires to bless. And so it's right for us. We encourage him. Not that we're saying, God, do something that's contrary to who you are. Not at all. We encourage God to be who he is, to do what he loves to do, to bless and to be involved in our lives. But prayer also shapes us too. When we pray, we encourage God to be involved, but also it affects us too. Because sometimes when we're praying for one thing, we're convicted about another. Am I right? We're praying and we're asking God and we, we pray for his help. And we start having this sense the Holy Spirit starts convicting us of something that's going wrong in us. Something that's keeping us from God. Prayer changes us. But not only that, prayer grows us in faithfulness. And maybe this is the most important. Because we pray and we see God answer prayer and it encourages our faith. It grows our faith. But sometimes we see God and we pray and we pray. We pray for days. We pray for weeks. We pray for years or decades. And we wait to see God's answer. I don't know if you realize that, but that's growing faithfulness in you too. So whether God answers it miraculously right then and there, that grows our faith. Or whether it takes days or months or years, that grows faith in us too. As we continue to faithfully pray. Day in, day out, keep praying. It grows us in faith. So when we pray, we're encouraging God. We're, we're changing who we are, shaping who we are. But also we bless others. Think about this. Our Father in Heaven, when we pray, Lord, pray for, I pray for my friend, for my brother or my sister who needs your help. God, please help them. What father wouldn't love to do that? I think about my sons. Most of you know them, but in case you don't, my oldest son is Corbin and my youngest son is Shalem. I think about as a father, when Shalem comes to me and says, Dad, can you come help Corbin? He's stuck with something. Man, I want to go help. I love to go help. Not only for who I am as their father, desiring to help them, desiring to help my one son, Corbin, but also for the fact that my youngest son, Shalem, said, Dad, can you go help him? I love my brother. I want you to help him, please. I want to be a part of that. And you see the way that that encourages both Corbin because I come help him, but also Shalem because I show that I'm listening to him, that I care about him too. God loves to answer the prayers that we pray for other people. When we care for others, 
as his children, when we're praying for our brothers and sisters, or when we're praying for a complete stranger, maybe someone who doesn't even know God yet, God loves to answer that prayer. He gets to be who he is. He gets to encourage those of us who pray, we see the results, and he gets to bless those who are being prayed for. Prayer is powerful. And I know that we often think, oh, it's, it's a small little thing I can do. The size of the seed makes no difference to the God who grows the tree. God grows amazing trees out of the tiniest of seeds. God grows his kingdom out of the tiniest of acts. Even something that seems as small to us as prayer. I hope you're seeing how big prayer is. How important it is in our lives, but also for the sake of God's kingdom. I want to encourage you. Those of you who are thinking, okay, so we've learned some about the Lord's Prayer. Maybe some, uh, maybe heard it a bit differently this morning. And we've heard and been reminded again how important it is in our lives. What do we do with this this week? Jason, what do I do in my life this week with this? Do one thing. Do one thing this week. Pray the Lord's Prayer. That's it. Pray the Lord's Prayer. I would encourage you, though, to pray it like you mean it. Don't just recite it. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom. Don't do that, please. Pray the Lord's Prayer. Mean the words. I timed it out just to see how long it would take to, to slowly, intentionally pray. It's worth 20 seconds. 20 seconds to pray the Lord's Prayer. You guys can do this. We can do this, and it is powerful. But pray the Lord's Prayer and mean it. I can't wait to see how God will begin answering that prayer. Begin listening to you. Being encouraged by you. And I can't wait to hear what God is going to do. So that's the first thing. Pray and mean it. Second thing is, pray it a lot. Go ahead and pray it every day if you want. Pray it three times a day. Trust me, you are not going to wear it out. This is the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Lord in heaven, the the Son of God, the Messiah. The Christ. This is the prayer He taught us to pray. Go ahead and pray. I think God delights in it. And I know some of you, maybe the church that you grew up in as a kid, you think, man, this prayer is so dull. We had to pray it every Sunday. Or maybe some of you think, like, oh, this prayer is so Catholic. Church, this prayer is not Catholic. This prayer comes from our Lord Jesus Christ. We can pray this prayer day in, day out, five times a day, and God will delight in it. So pray this prayer. Pray it throughout the week. The last thing I want to suggest is if you just want to pray the prayer as it is, bless you. That's how Jesus taught us. That is good. Pray that. But maybe some of you are thinking, you know, I feel like I'm praying this and I want to, to, to pray also, for example, God, let it be glorified your name. Glorify your name, Lord, in the world around us. Go ahead and spend some time there praying for the places where you desire to see God's name glorified. God, glorify your name through the way that I live. The way that I bless people. God, let it be glory to you. Or God, glorify your name in our schools. Glorify your name in our, in our government. Glorify your name in our community. God, we desire to see your name glorified throughout the world. Go ahead and pray those things. Use the sermon or use the prayer as a guide to help us pray and to to expand what we pray. 
I mean, think about how helpful it would be to pray the Lord's Prayer, Lord, forgive us our debts or forgive us our sin. And to use that as a way to begin asking God for forgiveness in our lives, as a means of repentance. And then God, help us to forgive those who have sinned against us. How powerful that can be. So, do one thing this week. Pray the Lord's Prayer. When you pray it, mean it. Don't just recite it, mean it. And go ahead and pray it throughout the week, numerous times a day. It will be fine. God delights in this prayer. And if you want to, pray it just as it is, 20 seconds, or use it to pray for two hours if you want. Praying through this prayer is a guide. Imagine what this will begin to look like in our community. I mean, I know some of you pray a lot already, but imagine us as a church, all of you here, whether you're the sort of person who, always, who already prays for a couple hours a day or if prayer is sort of something you're just trying out. Imagine this group of people right here. You, church, praying this prayer faithfully throughout this week. Imagine the things that will happen. The ways we'll see God's kingdom coming more and more. Maybe even God's kingdom coming ultimately. You know, there's those books, Power of a Praying Wife. Power of a Praying Husband. This morning we're talking about the power of a praying church. The way God listens and the way God blesses that and desires to bring his kingdom. So we're not trying to twist God's arm. We're encouraging him to be who he already is, to do what he loves to do. This week I'm asking you to do one thing. Pray the Lord's Prayer. Be encouraged, because the reign of God is like a mustard seed that a man planted in the field. Though it's the smallest of seeds, it grows to be the greatest of plants, of all the garden plants, so big that it becomes a tree that birds can come and land in its branches. The size of the seed makes no difference to our God who grows the tree. So pray the prayer this week. Amen.